Amy, let's go to the Lord in prayer before the children are dismissed. Lord, we just thank you for the home that you promised to your children. Lord, that went before you left this earth to return to heaven, you promised that you would go and prepare a place for us and where you were, that we would be there as well and that you would come back for us. And we just thank you for the assurance that uh, that we are not living just for this life, but there is life beyond the grave. And we're here to celebrate the resurrection life. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to live that resurrected life before the lost and the unsaved that we're going to be uh running up against and interacting with this week. Lord, we pray you'll be with Brother Ken as he comes and preaches the word of God, that you would fill him with the Holy Spirit. Pray, Lord, for his continued ministry in Alabama and that you would uh, provide the workers that he needs to reach as many ships as possible. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This time our children are dismissed from ages 3 to 8 for Children's Church, and so you can make your way on down there. And again, it's great to have Ken Creech here and uh, have him ministering to us. And brother, I, you've already given an introduction of what you're doing, so I, I don't, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. You come and share what God has put on your heart. All right, get your Bibles out because we're going to run around the Bible today, okay? And uh, I am not a preacher. I have the responsibility, as God has given it to me, to proclaim the good news that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for my sin. And with that, I have the opportunity to tell other people and proclaim that. And you will tell before the day's over that I am not a preacher. But God has given me uh, some things to share with you this morning. And as I said before, it is, it, uh, and I was uh, listening to that song and it kind of bothered me. Because it is good to be home. But I think about those that have gone on, uh, went on to heaven ahead of us. And one of those was my dad. Uh, Ed Creech, and he died in 2009, and if it wouldn't have been for my dad, I wouldn't be here today, not only because of the live birth, but the second birth, because my dad cared enough about his kid, his knothead kid, at 25 years of age, to bring his pastor to my house to share the gospel with me so that I could know for sure that I'd go to heaven. I was lost, I was miserable, I was wretched, I had a problem. You know what the problem was? It's called sin. And uh, I'll share a little bit of that with you, but uh, I know you guys have had a loss here. And I don't. It's not really a loss, that's not the right word, but with Lynn Shook getting to go on to heaven, um, at this time of year, we kind of think about those things. I stopped at the Otis Cemetery on my way in yesterday and got to visit the grave sites of some of my family. But, you know, a lot of my family didn't know Christ. That was hard. And so we have a lot to be grateful for, and I'm glad to be home. And uh, if you would take your Bibles this morning and look at Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And you are probably going to be a little bit surprised this morning that I'm going to use some things out of my Aunt Lois's yard. And that's a little uh, secret between her and I. But I want to talk to you today about landmarks in life. And this is Memorial Day. 
And this portion of scripture given to us by God in the, in the book of Joshua speaks about memorials in life. And to give you a little background in this Old Testament, you know that Joshua uh, had taken over for Moses. Moses had taken the, men, uh, the people of Israel. They'd wandered in the desert for 40 years. And now comes the time when Joshua gets to lead them over the Jordan River. It's a big occasion in their life. So they have been wandering for 40 years. The promises of God were right. He took a long time uh, in his timing uh, to deal with his people, to get them in a place where they could go over the river, uh, Jordan into the promised land that he'd promised them. But uh, this is a good picture of some of the landmarks or things in our life that happened. So I've got... Four simple points this morning, but let's begin reading in Joshua uh, chapter 4, verses, um, uh, let's start in verse 9. Well, I'll back up a little bit. Verse 14 in chapter 3, um, it talks about the people getting prepared, getting ready to go, and we'll pick it up in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And, the, and it came to pass, when all the people were clean, passed over the Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people of every tribe of man, and com- command ye them, saying, Take you hence, out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. So as you know, the waters dried up. The priest and the congregation went over the Jordan River. It was dry. There's stones in the bottom of it. And he's telling them, uh, you take 12 men, one from each tribe, and I want you to grab a rock. And we pick up in verse 4. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, which we know is twelve, that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye these stones? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off or dried up before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the midst of Jordan, as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. So what I want to speak to you about is landmarks in life, memorials. Uh, they, they purposely picked up these twelve stones, put them on the other side, so when their children and other generations that had not weren't present then, they would buy, walk by this rock, this, this uh, stack of rocks, and said, what are these for? And then they could rehearse to their children or grandchildren and generations on down that this is where God's promise was real. This is a memorial 
to what God did for our nation when he put us into the promised land. So, as we look back through the path of life as we have trod, we can see landmark times that God has dealt with us all spiritually. And that's what I want you to pay attention to today. I want you to pay attention to when times in your life God has dealt with you specifically. And we're going to go back through a couple of those. But those uh, those times God has appointed into our lives for, for a specific purpose, for a specific time. Each one of us, I don't care who you are, there's been a time in your life before we're ended today, hopefully you'll recognize four times in your life God has dealt with you. Each one of us have landmark times in our life. For you and me, they can be a landmark or they can be a landmine depending on how you deal with those times. I want you to use, I want to use this portion of scripture for you to con- consider the importance of God dealing with you and me as individuals, okay? A memorial or a specific decision time in our life that God deals with us. So let's pray quickly. Father, as I stand before you today and before these people, Lord, you know that... Um, I'm incapable of doing anything uh, without you, and uh, I need you to uh, help me to uh, communicate effectively with these folks some of the things in Scripture you have given us. Uh, God, there's times in our life you've dealt with us, and each one of us have been dealt with in many areas already. So please help us today just to bring you honor and glory. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you in Christ's name. Amen. So let's look at four specific stones. Um, You know there was 12 stones, right? 12 tribes. I don't have 12 points. I only got four points, okay? So I'm going to be easy on you, but I'm going to ask you, uh, how many have ever been to the Philippines? Has anybody ever been to the Philippines? Okay. Miss Crystal, you know what this is about. Do you want me to preach today in Filipino time or American time? You know what that is? Filipino time is they go until they're finished. American time is we quit at 12 o'clock. Okay. So I was in a Filipino church a few weeks ago in Pensacola, and they allowed me to to visit with them. And uh, I was telling them about the story when I went to the Philippines. Uh, They think Americans are big deals, and especially if you're in the ministry, they think you're some special guy. But anyway, the pastor, they had me speak in four different churches the first day. And then they had me speak and haul me somewhere else. And, and the first time I got there, I didn't know what I was doing. And I said, Pastor, I said, how long would you like me to speak? And he says, I don't understand what you're saying. He says, how? I said, how long do you want me to speak? An hour, a half hour, 20 minutes? He said, you, you speak until you're finished. But I said, I, I understand, but I want to be respectful. I know sometimes people leave at 12 o'clock. I said, I need to know how long. He says, he said, Ken, you speak until you're finished. He says, sometimes I take two hours. I said, okay, praise the Lord. So do you want me to speak on Filipino time or American time today? No, it'll be American time. But anyway, the first, I want to talk to you about four different stones, okay? Uh, the first one is the stone of conviction, okay? These are, these are memorial times in your life and my life. That God deals us with us with specific stones or times in our life, okay? 
How about the stone of conviction? This is a simply a time of convincing. Conviction is convincing. Everyone that's in this room today, God will deal with you on a personal level about your need of Christ. Um, conviction. How many of us have done something wrong and something inside us tells us we've done something, something wrong? That's about conscience or conviction. We have a problem. That's called sin. Uh, God gives us opportunities to take that conviction and turn it around to a memorial or a landmark in our life. And it has to do with listening. Okay? This means hearing. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to uh, Acts chapter 24. The first means of conviction I want to help you with this morning is in Acts chapter 24, and this means hearing the warning. Okay? Conviction is a warning that something going off in your life and in your soul and in your spirit. God is saying, listen, I have something that I need to talk to you about. Uh, Everyone in the human race has a time appointed by God to have us deal with an understanding of sin. Uh, Aunt Lois and I was talking about that last night. And she said, we're all born with sin. And that is absolutely correct. And as we're in life, we determine sometimes to sin. How many lies do you have to say to become a liar? One. How many things do you have to steal before you become a thief? One. Most of us sitting in this room are liars and thieves. Am I correct? So we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But in this, uh, in this scripture, I want to talk to you a little bit about, this is, a, this is a good illustration of hearing a warning. Uh, Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Now listen to this part. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible th- of things from him from the, cre- uh, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power in Godhead, so they are without excuse. There's not a man, woman, boy or girl that's on this earth that says, I've never been able to understand if there's a God. You can talk to every religion. They all have something they believe in. But this example, if uh, you'll go to chapter 24, verse uh, 24. This is a warning that is given to God using a man named Paul to a high-ranking individual called Felix. And verse 24 says, And then certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, Paul is in prison. Uh, the Romans had put him in prison. They're getting ready to ship him to Rome uh, because he's going to stand trial there. And this uh, individual, Felix, said, I want to hear something from this Paul. And it was concerning the faith in Christ. Verse 25, And as he reasoned of righteousness, and this is Paul, as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I, have a, when I have a convenient season 
I will call for thee. This is a very clear picture of the Word of God being given by the Apostle Paul. And this Felix, he's under conviction. He don't like it. Some things he's hearing, he don't like because the Word of God is going to have to make him change. It says, verse 26, he hoped that the money should have been given of him of Paul, and that goes on. But uh, flip down to ver- uh, chapter 26. So not only does it mean hearing the warning, it also means heeding the message. This has to do with King Agrippa. Again, this is the same time frame. Paul is in prison. And uh, these officials are coming down. They've heard about him. Some of them want to know what happened, what they're doing, what's going on. Um, and again, heeding the message. God says in His Word, Romans 10:14, How then shall they call in Him whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher, a proclaimer? If you're a Christian, it is your job, it's my job, to be able to share with others the hope we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this this uh, Agrippa, uh, he knew something about this. If you look in verse 26, beginning verse 23, I'll read it through verse 28. Um, and, and Paul is explaining some of the things to him. He says in verse 23 that Christ could, should suffer and he should be the first should rise from the dead and show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spoke for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth thou make me mad. Does thou make thee mad? In other words, Paul had been given him the scripture, the basis of Festus, you need to trust Christ. Festus knew some of these things. He said, you, you, he said this thing has made you crazy. And look at verse uh, 25. But Paul said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness, for the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. In other words, Paul's saying, you know about, about this stuff. Not only from your background, uh, Agrippa, but I told you some of those things. And he says in the latter part of verse 25, But speak forth the words of truth and soberness, for the king knoweth of these things, whom also I speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that you believe us. In other words, King Agrippa, I know that you believe in the, in the Word of God. You know these things that the prophets written were said of Christ, that He's going to come, He's going to die on the cross. He says, you know those things. And look at verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. There was a, there was a landmark of conviction in two men's lives. One of them said, I don't want nothing to do with it. And King Agrippa believed us on the prophets. And he said, almost you've persuaded me. But he did not trust the Lord Jesus Christ that we know of at that time. Uh, and uh, those landmarks, and I can think, I want to be very specific with you, is, is growing up in Akron, I was a knothead, okay? I didn't know, I was a troublemaker, I had two cousins that were always trying to get me in trouble. And you probably know who they are because their name is Steve and Ronnie. Okay? 
But anyway, growing up on my life, I remember certain times that God would would seem to say, Ken, do you know if you die now whether you go to heaven or hell? I couldn't answer that question. Uh, and uh, I took a job in Denver with my dad, and we were driving down the road, <clears throat> and this was in uh, early December of 1978, and he says, do you notice anything different about me? And if you knew my dad, he loved country western music. And I said, yeah, you're listening to this uh, funeral music. He wasn't listening to KLZ, Country Western, anymore. He says, well, I got saved. And I go, uh, okay, well, I'm happy for you. He said, haven't you noticed I don't cuss anymore? I said, yeah, matter of fact, I did. He said, I would like to bring my pastor to your house to talk to you. And I said, okay. I was upset. Um, I, I had a problem. And uh, I didn't know, but November 16th, 1978, Don Kittle who happens to be the uncle of, uh, of Pastor Jim, had went and knocked on their door and asked him that question. Ed, do you know if you was to die tonight, you'd go to heaven? He said, no. And Dad told him, and he then told me about having nightmares for years because my dad was very claustrophobic. And he said God was dealing with him because my stepmom, Jan, was a Christian and she'd been taken to the church and Dad sat in the pew and he faked it. He heard it. It was bothering him. He didn't want to deal with it. He didn't want to change some things in his life, blah, 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 on and on. And he said he would have these dreams that he was in a coffin. And with claustrophobia, he would come out of that dream and he would throw all the covers off the bed, stand straight up in bed and just freak out. And he said, I really think God was trying to get my attention through all that. And he told me, uh, that day, and he said, you know, and once I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, he said, I've never had that dream again, ever. So he was at peace with that. But he came, and he, they knocked on my door, and, and Don came in, and he said, Ken, let me ask you a real simple question. I had a bunch of questions for him, and he answered them. He didn't argue about anything. He just took the Word of God and showed me. And he said, uh, if you die, would you go to heaven or hell? And I said, I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm going to hell immediately. There was no doubt in my mind. And he said, you know, you don't have to go. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, uh, would it be all right if I take the word of God and show you what God says about you having eternal life, that it's a free gift? I said, yeah, I, I'd never heard of that. So that time of conviction had already come. It come before Don Kittle and my dad visited my house on January 13, 1979. But that time had come. It was a time of conviction. I didn't need to be told. And that, that uh, time of conviction previously had led me that night to a time of conversion. Point number two. Is there a time in your life that you have taken the stone of conversion? That isn't being converted to a Baptist. Am I right, Pastor? The, the church does not get you to heaven. First Baptist Church of Akron will not get you to heaven. It's only by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Conversion is that moment in time when we responded to the Word of God by comprehending in our spirit, yours and mine, our need of salvation and calling on Him by faith. You cannot get to heaven on the back of your church. When we deal with these seafarers at the port, 
They come from many backgrounds. And I said, it's not your religion, it's your relationship. It's strictly between you and God. All of you have had a time of conversion in your life. I hope. If not, today can be that day of conversion. You can send a memorial in your life today by understanding your need of Christ, trusting Him as your Savior, establishing that memorial, put it over here in this pile, next to that uh, you're making a mound now because you've taken that conviction, you've dealt with it, you've put it here, now you take on yourself conversion. Uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 30, the Philippian jailer. Uh, some bad things happen. And he comes out, he comes running out of the jail, and he's expecting to be killed. And he comes up to Paul, and he says, what must I do to be saved? Well, you need to go down, and you need to join the Baptist church. Make sure you get baptized right away, and then you'll go to heaven. Is that what happened? No. What did he say? What must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us. It's by mercy. It's by grace and it's simply believing. This means believing in your heart, not in your head. I like to tell the seafarers all the time. Um, and they'll be honest with it. They don't know. They'll say, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. And I said, do you know Jesus Christ? Do you believe him? Oh, yeah, I believe in him. Well, why don't you know you're going to heaven? I don't know. But they believe. Where do they believe? Here. I said, the problem with you, my friend, you will miss heaven by 18 inches. That's 51 centimeters for those that are over the seas. They look at me and they said, what do you mean, Pastor? I said, that's the difference between your head to your heart. Many people know of Jesus Christ. Not a lot has trusted him completely for their salvation in their heart. It's the heart. Uh, what is it in Romans chapter 13? Uh, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. I am not good enough to get to heaven. Because we're not perfect and neither are you. There's only one way. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He hung on the cross for us. Why did he hang on the cross? He took his sins upon us. Most of the Filipinos know that. But when I ask them, they don't know for sure they're going to heaven. Why? Because they're basing their salvation by the things that they do. Well, they're trying to get good enough so that they can warrant enough grace to get into heaven. Well, the Word of God says... For there is none righteous, no, not one. For the wages of sin is death. And I explained to them, there's a wage. You work on the vessel. Uh, you work in the engine room. You're paid a wage. Yes, yes. So you've paid a wage of sin. That sin needs to be paid for. It was paid for by our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10.10 For with a heart man believes unto righteousness. I don't care what country you're from. I don't care what language you're from. There's only one way, and that's believing in the heart that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, shed His blood for you and I. That means believing in your heart, not just your head. That means by asking, confessing by acknowledgement in your heart, your acceptance of the gift of salvation, Romans 
We spoke about uh, verse 10:9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. This is a very critical time in your life and my life when we understand that when Christ was on the cross, and I like to tell this to the seafarers because they, they don't understand all the timelines, but I like to tell them Jesus Christ was born to die. They all know that he came as a young man. He was on the cross of Calvary. What was the last words that came out of Christ's mouth? John chapter 19, verse 30. It is finished. What was finished? Our redemption. He came to die for us. It is our redemption is finished. There's nothing we can do except personally accept it. It's like a gift. Uh, I like to take uh, I like to take a twenty dollar bill out of my hand and I say, I would like to give this to you. And uh, I said it's a gift. And he gets ready to take it and I pull it back. And I said I would really like to give this twenty dollars to you. It's a gift. I hold it out. He starts to take it. I pull it back. And he looks at me and he says, why are you doing that? I said, because most religions tell you you have to do something to get it. I want to give it to you. All you can do is accept it. They go, oh, I understand now. Not by works of righteousness. That means asking or confessing, acknowledging our need of Christ. This means repentance, turning from our life of sin Apart from God to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior at any age. Romans 12.1 I beseech ye, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye do what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Folks, someday you will look back on your path as a Christian and the stone of the Lordship of Jesus Christ must be apparent in your life. It's a critical time in your path of living the Christian life. The Christian life started here. Now, I, want, I don't have a, a small stone. I have two big stones because we only have two more points left. But Christian, many times you're going to have to take the stone of eternity secured and keep it in your pocket. Because things are going to happen in your life and you're going to wonder, have I lost my salvation? Was I really saved? A lot of those things come from Satan. But doubts come into your life. And if you keep that pebble of uh, security in your pocket, and when those times come, pull it out. I remember January 13, 1979. I understood that Jesus Christ died for my sin. I put my faith in you and trust. I trusted you, Lord. Are you true? Did you tell me the truth? Of course. Uh, John, what is it? John chapter 10, verse 28 and I give unto them eternal life. Who is this speaking? It's Jesus Christ. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Did he say never? Never. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. I talked to some guys uh, from other religions. They think, oh, I can trust your God, but... When I go back to uh, India, I will trust uh, my God of the Sikh. No. If you really trusted Jesus Christ, if you've repented and been converted, your sins are blotted out. Uh, look at this quickly. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25. I think this is so important. Because I have helped with the seafarers. 
someone has acknowledged their need of Christ, they understand that they're sinners, they trust Him, they call upon Christ, then they'll come back three months later and I'll say, how are you doing? They said, I'm having trouble. I've sinned. Oh, really? Okay, so I take them to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, and I help them understand. And this is uh, the Lord speaking. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for, thine, for mine own sake and remember them no more. If you have trusted in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, those sins are forgiven. He cannot see them anymore. I said, you need to ask for confession that's found in 1 John chapter uh, 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That has to do with your fellowship. Keeping your lines of fellowship clean between you and your Father. But your sins, God cannot see them anymore. You need to acknowledge that they're under the blood of Christ and move on and quit sinning. He died for you. Don't you love him enough to clean your life? Oh, yes, sir, Pastor. I understand. So that helps him. So the stone of security. We need to understand that. Thirdly, the stone of commitment. This will be a landmark in your life, a a memorial to determine if you're willing to be different. The stone of commitment. Okay? You've been convicted. You've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, this is a stone of commitment. This starts dealing with us in our Christian life. Are you willing to do what the Bible says? This is when the sanctification or separation from the old life becomes very apparent. This young person is when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you're 12, 13, 15, 18 years old, when you really trust Christ as your Savior and you start living for Him, all of a sudden your old friends start passing away. They no longer want to hang out with you. And you really don't want to hang out with them either. Because you, don't, you have a different appetite now. You don't want to do the same things they did before. Because you're, mid, you're committed. Jesus Christ died for your sins. He forgave you. He's forgotten them. Why would you want to disappoint Him by living a life that is not pleasing to Him? They're gone. Your friends are gone. You have a gift. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Separation doesn't have to mean always away from everything else. Sometimes separation is away from the things that we have unto Christ. That memorial, are you committed? Or will you grow in your spiritual life? Matthew 11.29 says, Take my yoke upon you, And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Matthew 11.30, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Commitment. You should be growing in your spiritual life after you've trusted Christ. Thirdly, you should strive for for some consistency in your spiritual life. It takes a while. You don't all of a sudden want to sit down in the morning and have prayer. All the time. But God speaks to us about that. That's that consistency. Ephesians 2.10 For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus and the good works, which God hath before ordained in them, that we should walk in them. Colossians 1.10 That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
Colossians 2.6, As ye have therefore received Christ the Lord, walk ye in Him. doesn't say run ahead. doesn't say lag behind. It says walk with Him. Our spiritual life, consistency, that you would walk worthy. 1 Thessalonians 4.1, I really like this. And furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and please God, so you would abound more and more. We need to walk a spiritual life that's pleasing to God, and that's called commitment. Are you committed to do that? I hope you are. A memorial? I hope so. Memorial of commitment. And lastly, the last one is the stone of consecration. And I'll tell you what, folks, this is the one that most Christians don't want to pick up. The stone of consecration. Most Christians don't want to pick it up. Why? Because the Hebrew word for consecration has the meaning of taking an open hand and you put it before God and you say, please fill my hand for direction. I'm committed. I'm past commitment. Now I'm consecrated. Uh, Webster's Dictionary says to appropriate or set apart for sacred use. Have you consecrated your life to Christ? Have you determined that you want Him to use you? I don't know how He's going to do that. I don't know what form. It's okay to be home. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to be a pastor. But you need to be consecrated. The Word says in Exodus 32.29, For Moses has said, Consecrate yourselves today. To the Lord, every man upon his son, upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing. You want to be blessed? You be consecrated. You want to be blessed? You sell out to God. Are you willing to surrender all? We sing that song. All to God, I surrender. All to Him, I freely give. Really? Really? Have you really freely given it to Him? Is He at the helm of your life? Is He guiding that vessel through the seas of life? Or do you still have your hands on it? He knows where the shoals are. He knows where the rocks are. Let Him guide it. Are you willing to surrender all? Romans 12.1 again. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies, the open hand, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Christ died for us. The least we can do is live for Him. And say, God, use me. What do you want me to do? Easy things. Hard things. We don't know what they are, but they're personal. They're your memorial. They're your landmark. Do you desire to be in God's perfect will? Proving what is that good and acceptable. And are you, a lead, uh, are you living in agreement with God's plan for you? All of us have times in our life when we struggle. God is a God, a great God of, of um, compassion, long-suffering, gentle, good. does a lot of things for us. But if you've never had that first memorial in your life, which is salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't keep building. And what do we do in the Christian life? We live our life to bring what? Glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our job. And in that, the greatest job 
that we could ever have is to tell others what he's done for me. Dying on the cross, give me eternal life. Why would we not want to tell somebody else that? We're going to live with God eternally in heaven instead of in hell. Why are we so bashful about telling people? It's sweet. It's a landmark. It's a memorial. This is Memorial Day. I hope this is a day that you'll consider the things that were said out of the Word of God. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to do that. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. And if you have, are you committed? Are you willing to do everything that He asks you to do? And are we consecrated? Are we willing to do it with an open heart and say, Yes, Lord. When I uh, accepted the opportunity to work at the port, I had no idea what was involved. But I knew that this word was true. And he would never go back on his word. So you can trust him. I pray that you'll do that today. Pastor, would you like to come? Can everyone just bow their head and close their eyes for just a moment? Brother, if you'll come and prepare for our invitational time. What I want to do is encourage you with your heads bowed and eyes closed to respond to the Word of God. The Word of God says that we're not supposed to be just hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. So I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Word of God. And we're not going to be singing uh, at first, but I'm going to have the musicians just play a couple of stanzas. But I want to, you, I want to encourage you to respond to the Word of God that's been preached this morning. Has there been a time in your life that uh, you've been convicted of the sin in your life, your need for righteousness, of coming judgment from God? And, and have you listened? Have you responded? Or have you rejected the conviction of God in your life? Have you, uh, has there been a time in your life that you admitted that you're a sinner, that you have realized that you can't save yourself, that only Jesus can save you from your sins? and trusted in him alone for salvation. If you haven't done that, I encourage you to respond there in your pew. You don't have to come forward, and you don't have to talk to me. You don't have to talk to Brother Ken. All you have to do is talk to the Lord. You don't even have to do it out loud. Uh, You can just pray silently there in uh, something like this. Lord, I'm a sinner. Um, I can't save myself. I realize Jesus died for my sins. I trust in him now to save me. Thank you for that salvation. Amen. Whatever you want to pray, uh, but, uh, you know, it's not about your prayer. It's about belief and trust in Jesus for salvation. So I encourage you to respond to the word of God. Uh, believer, child of God, uh, are you committed to the Lord Jesus Christ? Maybe you just need to pray there in your pew as well. So this time, if our musicians begin, begin to play, um, you respond to the Lord as he's worked in your heart. Maybe you need to change your attitude, Christian. Maybe you need to change your aim in life and be committed to being separated and isolated to God and his will, wanting to strive to be consistent because you love God. Um, as Brother Ken preached, maybe you just need to, you have that aim, you have that attitude, you've made that decision in your life, but you haven't taken action, or maybe you've reverted on that decision. We encourage you to not regress anymore, but to progress in your Christian walk. So you just deal with the Lord as the musicians play. Uh, I'll be down front if you need to talk to me. But uh, let's uh, do business with the Lord.